So at this time, every morning, Twery and I will be offering some instructions to help us, yeah, to support our movement through the day. So if you haven't already, just making any final adjustments to the posture. Even though we might have ideas about retreat and feel some even excitement about coming along with some trepidation. The actual experience of being here is like so radically different from how we live our daily lives. It seems like we have kind of intense movement, frantic pace that we live with and then we come here and we expect the body and the heart to really slow down immediately. That's not how it is for the nervous system. Our nervous systems live and learn with patience and time So we don't want to approach meditation with any kind of force or demand. Just some gentleness and ease. Like we're talking to our nervous system, sweetie, you can take as long as you need. Checking the attitude to see if we're approaching the sitting period in this way and seeing if it's possible to drop anything extra. too that when we meditate, when we're practicing any time actually, it's even though we say mindfulness, it's more of an embodied heartfulness. doesn't exclude anything we feel. It's not simply intellectual what we're doing. We're learning how to be right in our bodies. Not resisting anything we feel. 
anything we sense. And in fact, everything happens right here in and with the body. The body vibrates, resonates with every moment of our lives. So if we want to know what it's like to be me, to be here, we start with the body. And again, it's not a force or a demand. We're not trying to get in there and really feel the body. We're just trying to remember that there is a body in a real easeful way. Like, oh yeah, I have a body. (coughs) Just inviting a heartful, mindful awareness to connect right here in any way we can. (coughs) And that will be different for each of us. It's really not important if our noticing is subtle or gross. (coughs) As we learn how to be more mindful, more heartful, what we're actually doing is learning how to be more continuously mindful or heartful. So any kind of noticing is good noticing doesn't have to be a specific kind of noticing. We notice we have a body. (coughs) And the body feels like this. I know that like this. I know that I have a body because I feel pressure sitting or because I feel the hands on my lap. Or because I recognize that the ears are hearing or perhaps even listening. That's body. Maybe there's a knowing of the breath, just simply knowing that the body's breathing, doing what it knows how to do, body doing body things. And the good news is once we connect with the body in some way, the strength of that capacity to be aware, capacity to be mindful, then gets stronger. It becomes easy, easier to be mindful or heartful in the next moment, to be aware of the body in the next moment. And this is how it will go for us over the next couple of days as we Remember to be continuous. So we don't have to worry about not being mindful enough or we just notice the body a couple of times. We don't have to beat ourselves up for anything. We can just trust that This is how it goes as the nervous system learns. Learns how to settle down. Learns how to feel comfortable enough. 
We just return to the body in some way, feel it, know we have a body, know it feels like this. And of course, at this point, there will be very little stability of mindfulness. Connect, and then the mind will just do what it normally does in our daily life and start thinking about something, complaining, fantasizing, planning. It's just a habit, no problem. But we can remember that we care about being present, about being intimate. About being aware, mindful, heartful. And so when we remember that we care, then we just return to the body, remembering that we have a body Remembering that the body breathes. And we might call this way of practicing, practicing with an anchor. We're inviting the body to anchor the attention. Return to the body. So that the continuity of awareness develops, supporting that development by returning and feeling. And sometimes it can be useful to have a particular kind of anchor, like the sense, the felt sense of the hands touching each other. Or maybe just a global sense of the body. Or maybe for some it's the breath. Flowing in and out of the body. Maybe noticing that bright breathing right at the belly. or at the nostrils. And again, there's no right way. You might see, just see what emerges for you as an appropriate anchor. Whatever feels easiest, most natural, A natural way to remember that I have a body and it feels like this.
We support the nervous system settling one breath at a time. One moment of remembering that we care about being in our lives, being intimate in our lives. One moment at a time. Every moment matters. Let's continue in silence for a while longer now.
It's always okay to take a minute to stretch your legs if you'd like to. So you've probably already taken some time to look at the schedule and see that it's quite simple. (laughs) We find ourselves into a nice rhythm of sitting and walking, sitting and walking, with some moments in the day for taking care of our bodies, like eating and time extended. There's plenty of time during lunch. Some of us will have yogi jobs during that time and time to nap or maybe take a longer walk if you wanted to do that. Plenty of time during the dinner break as well. And so just to remember that as we go through our day with this very simple rhythm, that there's not a lot to do, right? We don't have to fill the time with thinking about what might be entertaining or exciting, which is what we often do at home, right? Or is that just me? (laughs) But we can actually just trust, okay, this is a, a rhythm that for 2,600 years students have been following, something like this. There's some benefit to it, even if our minds want to think that this doesn't work for me. (laughs) I've been there, so I'm not, this is not just theoretical, (laughs) right where you are quite often. I'm like, huh, these teachings aren't working for me, or this instructions aren't working for me or the schedule's not working for me I need to do something different but that's just the mind often just the mind sometimes that's real and we do need to do something different but sometimes that's also just the mind that wants something a little more exciting a little more entertaining something a little bit better than this and so before we make big decisions (laughs) it's good to just check it out fall into the routine and see what it's like. See if the mind is actually able to build some continuity of awareness as we go through our day in this very simple way. Because there's value, there's real value in that simplicity. It actually helps the mind kind of let go of all of its thinking habits. Not all the way, we're going to think, because that's what the mind does. right? But it has less to think about when our schedule is just set for us in this way. So just some encouragement to really find a rhythm, a good rhythm for yourself with the with the schedule as it is. And to not, you know, it's good to remember that the postures that the Buddha really taught, the Buddha taught uh, practicing in all postures, sitting, standing, lying down. We're always in one of those postures, sitting, standing, or lying down. Right? So if our bodies need to stand, it's totally fine to stand right here in the hall. You can just stand up for the whole time if that feels more useful to your body, more conducive to your practice. And there's no, sometimes you might get this vibe that sitting practice is the most important thing. It's not the most important thing. It's just one way to practice, right? And so we sit and we walk. And so during the walking period, sometimes it can be like, ooh, now what? Now what am I going to do? I'm going to have a cup of tea instead, or maybe I'll read the bulletin board again, even though I've read every word on it five times so far. But maybe there's something here that's interesting. <laughs> but just to really remember that practicing in all postures is, is, how, the, is how we uh, develop a more continuous habit of heartful, mindful, embodied awareness. Yeah. We'll just see what it's like. Check out the schedule. And, um, yeah, enjoy it. So we're going to offer some walking instructions, and we have other things to do, too.
Good morning. Um, maybe we'll do the cell phone ceremony first, since that's going to be the most energetic. <laughs> so, a couple words about these cell phones. If you are as addicted to yours as I am to mine, it's only on a retreat that I ever give it up. And in a way, we always think of cell phones like they're a piece of paper. Like, you know, it's just a pen and a paper. Disposable. It's just a thing. It's not very real or it's not alive or anything. But actually, it's more like this in our lives. It's more like the Buddha. It's more like a very important, have to have it. Like letting go of a friend. And they're designed that way. They're designed to fit in our hands. They're designed to keep us attentive. They're designed to stimulate the part of the mind that's very, very um, activated. And, you know, this is probably the hardest part about practice, is um, actually trying to practice against the backdrop of cell phones. So that's why we started doing these cell phone ceremonies, is to give people an opportunity to let go of the very thing that will keep them separate from the present moment. It's like if you get bored, if you have your phone, you'll just go in your room and look at the phone. And you won't even have the connection that that's what you're doing. It's very awkward. At the same time, When we give up the phones, it makes for a difficult decision when you're bored. (laughs) Because what are you going to do? And um, there is something about what Shelley was instructing on. It's the simplicity of now that we're trying to learn to connect to the simplicity of this moment. So what I thought we would do for this ceremony, we'll keep it simple. I'll do a little chant so we can move along. And um, we're just going to come, go to the outer edges, bring the phone here. It's kind of weird that we don't have the center aisle like we're used to. So... Um, I think maybe a better way to do this I'm just trying to have my problem solving mind think about no center line so um, what I think is probably the better way is if we go to the edges the outer edges to come in but then those of you that sit on the cushions can go down the little uh, I always back to your seat rather than trying to go back to the edges to get to your seat um, I'll ring the bell every time uh, someone offers up their phone and we'll keep it solemn and serious but pay attention to how you feel Pay attention to what happens as you're making your way up here. Pay attention to what it feels like when you offer the phone and what does it feel like when you go back to your seat without it. You want to pay attention to that. It's way more important than the phone. But to really begin to get a sense of what this phone means to you. And thankfully, we're talking a couple of days here, but um, you still want to get a sense of what what this phone means to you and what giving up the phone means to you. And it's a sacred moment. So we want to take it seriously and have a degree of appreciation and respect for the courage and the uh, tenacity it takes to do this. Not everyone in this room is going to be able to do this. So the whole process, whether you give up your phone or not, It's very important that you pay attention to what's happening.
Okay? So when you're ready, we can just go to the outer edges here. I'll start my chant. You want to ring the bell? Okay, then then Shelly will ring the bell when um, you offer it up. I'll sing my favorite chant from Thich Nhat Hanh's group. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at May I be happy. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. Take a moment. How do you feel? There's no right way to feel. You just want to honor whatever the truth is of your own experience. So for those of you that offered the phone when you first got here. You're kind of used to it, and you're like, yeah, this is my opportunity. (laughs) So we want to honor you also. And for those of you that kept the phone, and maybe later on tonight, you're like, yeah, I see how attached I am, and you want to offer it up tomorrow morning. That's fine. Just leave us a note or You can offer it up tomorrow morning. We'll ring the bell. So I just have a couple more things to do here. One is some announcements and then I'm going to give some walking instructions. We'll start with the announcements. So you may not know it, but you may not think of them this way, but there are some angels among you. You may not think of them as angels, but having been on as many retreats as I've been on, they are definitely angelic. And I am talking about bell ringers. 
the people that walk through the halls and ring the bells. Because when you're in the hall, there is a bell ringer that rings the bell that ends the sit. And that person is actually ending the sit for everybody. You don't have to remember how long the sit is. You don't have to keep watching the clock. They're doing that for you, so you don't have to worry. You can just let go and just be lost in it, wherever it's at. You can just practice, really. But there is someone that's watching the clock, ringing the bell. When you're walking or off eating or whatever you're doing, there's someone that's watching the clock. And those are bell ringers. And they're the ones that help us actually let go of the ordinary mind. To let go of ordinary habit because we can actually begin to let our nervous systems rest here. And someone is watching the time for their little window. But there are two places where we need a little angel. One at 6.30 and one at 8.15. So since whatever happened during the 6.30 and 8.15 part has already happened, you're really only talking about two days. Ah, there you go. We'll give you some. Very nice. I didn't know you left. So is there two people who would be willing to volunteer, one for the 6.30 uh, bell ringing through the halls and one for the 8.15 bell ringing? Yeah, great. So will you do the 6.30? And can you do the 8.15? Great, so you just put your name on there. It's 9.15 actually on the 18th, on the closing day. It's not 8.15. Thank you. I think there's a couple of housekeeping jobs also. There is, a, this is pretty much all of us are angels in this way because we all take care of the place for each other. And it's kind of uh, special that we all do that. And so you don't have to raise your hands here because I, you guys just put your names on the schedule when you go back out. But the the housekeeping jobs, it's just, I'm just asking a couple of people to fill in for those slots um, that are empty on the board. So we have a full schedule. There's, we're not going to do separate uh, interviews, not group interviews or not um, uh, individual interviews. Instead... Uh, Shelly and I talked about this. We thought having an open question and answer period or comment period for um, a full 45-minute period would be supportive. So every day at 11, we will have a period today and tomorrow where we can, you know, in the group, the larger group, ask some questions. Um, Today, we're just going to have it be open But for anyone that doesn't get their question answered today or you just are too, um, you know, shy or you don't want to ask it in a big old room like this, um, you can leave a note and uh, we'll put a basket out where you can put the question and then tomorrow we'll take those up first. And then usually on a sit, we have what are called affinity affinity sits where uh, people from the BIPOC and the LBGTQ plus sanghas uh, have a sit um, in, a, in their own space. But we talked about this at length and chose not to do that for this retreat and I'll see if I can explain why. So usually the point of a Affinity sit is to help build community within a community so that everybody feels safe and connected here together. 
And that usually starts on the second day of a retreat. So first day we're kind of all together, we're held together, and then on the second day there's this um, affinity sit start. Well, our second day is our last day. And so the idea of having a separation at that point um, felt like it would be too much for the container to have both the first day together and then the second day uh, apart. So instead, what I'd like to propose is for those of you in the community to think of a sit that you want to sit actually up in M200 and sit upstairs in a smaller space with whatever Sangha members you have up there uh, as your Sangha so that you have the sense of the smaller camaraderie and um, um, even though there won't be an actual affinity sit that we will have. If it's a problem, we'll deal with it. I mean, it's just the nature of the way things are. Um, but uh, if you think that this will work for you, then we will keep to the schedule this way. <coughs> Is that it? I think that's all I have. So the <coughs> times that are going to be recorded are the instructional sits in the morning, the meta that we're going to do at 3 o'clock. It's uh, three, 3.30 this afternoon. Um, and then the Dhamma, Dhamma talk that will happen at 7, 7.30. So um, I hope you all attend those. So now some walking. You know how Shelley said that um, the Buddha instructed us to be in all the postures? Just like, oh, sitting feels like this. Oh, walking feels like this. And there is something important about learning to feel into your posture. So let me see if I can say it like this. When we are not in retreat and we are in our ordinary lives, we move constantly. We're always moving, doing something, going here, going there, watching this, going this, doing this, doing this, doing this. And all of that walking, all of that movement, we have trained our minds to go somewhere else, to think about this, to fix on that, to plan on that while I'm moving. And so we rarely keep the mind with the body when we're moving. It's one of the main reasons I think we lose whatever samadhi we cultivate at retreat. We lose it as soon as we leave because we're rushing about, moving about, and we have not trained the mind to maintain its mindfulness when we're moving. So if we ever sit down and be still, we've trained the mind. Okay, when I sit down and be still, I'm meditating. But when I'm moving, I'm not. And walking meditation is the training the mind. When I'm moving, I'm meditating. So that the mind can learn that just because I'm moving, it doesn't mean go off somewhere. And the same way your mind is learning and the longer you've practiced, the more your mind knows that when you sit in your posture, this is meditation. You want to train the mind. When I am walking, I am in meditation. That helps the mind stay with the body even when we're moving. It, it enables us to maintain the continuity of practice. The reason why that continuity is important is because when we come and sit 
and we cultivate a level of stillness. It's a, it's a hard-fought level of stillness. Every little moment of stillness is hard-fought when we're sitting there. Keep coming back. Keep, yep, keep coming back. And then when we get up for walking, we drop it. We let the whole thing go. All that work, everything we did, just gone. And then we go get tea, we go to our room, we go do something, we go sit and daydream and let the mind wander. And then the bell ringers, the little angelic beings float through. It's like, oh, come back to sit. We'll come back and sit. We start all over again. From like ground zero, hard fighting. Get that, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. As soon as we get a little bit of peace, bell ring. Let it go. And we do this over and over and over. So instead, what you're trying to learn to do is to maintain this continuity of being here, being here, mind and body together, here. So even if you stand up and you start walking, can you keep that level of attentiveness that you had when you were sitting. Keep it there. Keep that level. When you're walking, know you're walking. When you're sitting, know you're sitting. When you're standing, know you're standing. When you're getting up, know you're getting up. It might seem like two days is not enough time to really develop strong continuity and mindfulness and samadhi. But you would be wrong. Two days, one morning, you could cultivate deep samadhi simply by maintaining this kind of persistence to know where you are, to know you're sitting, to know the posture. That's it. I know I'm sitting. I can feel it. I know what it feels like to be sitting. You know you're standing. You know you're walking. If you're sleepy and tired and you say, I'm going to go take a nap, that's it. It's okay. But do you know that you're standing, walking to your room, and you're lying down? That's it. It's not so much what you do. It's the knowing that you're doing it as you're doing it so that you don't use the time of movement as just this let the mind wander. Is there anyone here who has never had formal walking instructions? Great. Then you are offering the benefit to everybody because we're all going to get formal walking instructions. So the way I think about walking instructions is I learned something about walking I didn't know before. Two things. One is that most of, of our sort of enlightened insights come during walking. I don't know why. I think it's because when we're sitting, we're so busy trying to return to the anchor and to stay here and to be here and, oh, I'm lost and now I'm come back, come back, come back, that when we start walking, it's almost like the mind whispers to the body and says, what are they doing? I don't really understand what's going on. Can you help me? And then the body says, we're just walking. We're just sitting. And then there's these moments when you're in the middle of walking and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it makes sense. I think that's that moment when the mind and body begin to understand. So walking is almost like the motor that shifts the energy for insight. And then two, it takes a lot of energy to come back to the anchor over and over and over and over and over. And it's a relax, we're relaxing and energized at the exact same time And walking balances that energy out so that you're not, so you get refreshed and you can relax. 
it's kind of strange that way, but we have to get upbeat so we can relax. Upbeat so we can relax. And walking helps with the loosening. The, it's not like when you sit and you shake your legs out. It's the same kind of thing. Walking is that shaking out the energy. And then when you come back and sit down, you can find more settling. More settling. Shake it all out. Go walking. Shake it out. Okay. Settle again. And each time you can settle deeper and deeper and deeper if we keep our minds connected to the body. So the way formal walking actually goes, for those of you that haven't, oftentimes you'll see people walking very, very still. Um, I'm actually going to show you so you can see. I'm going to show you so you can see since there's a fair number of you that have never had formal walking instructions. Um, really, all you're doing, we call it walking. And, and uh, Sharon Salzberg really helped me put it in perspective. She said, it's just one step. That's really all you're doing. One step. Just like it's watching the breath, got your anchor, but you're walking. You want to know can you notice that you've taken one step? And so sometimes you can just left and the right, just walking left and right. You can go kind of fast, normal pace. You just know you take left foot, right foot. That's good enough. But then it might occur to you that you're not really paying attention. You're kind of knowing the physical body of it, but you don't really know you're taking a step. So you may have to slow it down a little bit. So you kind of know that you're actually shifting the body. You're lifting the foot up, it's going forward, and you're placing it. And then there's another kind of shift, and you're lifting the foot up, going forward, and placing it. So you gradually slow down. You do this in a pace. Find a spot, about 10 paces, maybe 15. That's all you want to do is just 10 steps. It takes a lot to watch 10 steps, to know 10 actual steps. Because the mind is going to wander. It's used to wandering whenever we move. So you're going to, you have to keep having this focused attention on taking one step. And Bhante Buddha Rikita said one time, do not take the next step until you finish the step you're on. It's like eating, really. We, 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 all of this practice is all the exact same thing. But anyway, you, so you want to know you take a step, one step. Okay, we call it walking, but it's stepping meditation. One step. Okay, one step. Know the whole step. When you get to the end... You want to stop, turn around, and begin again. So what you're teaching your mind, you find your pace, you find you can go outside, and um, if you're sleepy, you might want to go outside, because it's going to wake up the energy of the body. But what you're going to find is, when you do this pacing, and you just walk one step, one step, one step, one step, one step, stop, turn around, let everything you just did go, and you begin again. One step, one step, one step, one step, one step, stop. Okay, turn around, let everything go, begin again. It's the exact same process that you do when you're sitting. This Coming to the breath, you're going to notice you're off in thought, 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 thought. You wake up, you're like, okay, begin again. This, this, this constant, this training of paying attention to where you are, stopping, beginning again, stopping, beginning again. This is a process that you're doing over and over in everything you do. And as you do that, the mind begins to grasp what it is that we are doing, which is just learning how to be present. 
just learning how to have the mind and body in the same place at the same time. And the more we do that, the more wisdom and uh, freedom we have. All right? I think that's it. That's right. So we are going to be the bell ringers at the ten o'clock sit and the two o'clock. What? What? Ten o'clock and the six thirty sit. And so two people have volunteered to also do the six thirty a.m. sit, the six a.m. sit, and the two o'clock sit. We may not be here right when the ten uh, ten a.m. sit starts but we will come and ring the bell before the end of it. And we may be here at the 2 o'clock sit, and whoever is the bell ringer, just feel free to ring the bell. Don't worry about it. You're ringing it for us too, so we don't have to... We can come and sit and not have to worry about the clock. So um, I think that's it. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.